So the office poinsettia is still alive. It, it, it was, is it? It's barely. It was it, funny. Like minutes after Roger got off the phone, we went out there and the thing was all wilted. I, I stressed out. Do we put water in it? Do I not put water in it? It feels damp. Did someone else put water in it? I think I think Roger would tell us to support the local husbandry in, industry and buy another buy one. A new one. <laughs> yeah, it got it got a little weird looking, but honestly, know. I. I think that's because I, I ran into it so many times, though. That could it's be. It's been shaken. Anyway, we've gotten through the, the Christmas episode. Poinsettia King of West Michigan, Roger McGaughy, was was always was fun. Now we're it is we're just on the eve of, of Christmas now, and uh, wanted to get some reporters in, in the room to talk about the year, look ahead to the new year. We have three uh, three reporters, two from the Capitol Press Corps, one from out 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 in Michigan, where the real people live, and we're going to talk about 2021. This is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Yep, I got it all. We got it. So your, what do you want to do now? Was, why don't we do this at the beginning of the Kurt episode? Okay. We'll put, get Kurt, put Kurt to bed. Nighty night, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. That was incredibly creepy. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his, it's, on his it's desk. Always right here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and... Maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> so welcome back. This is Matt Resch of Resch Strategies. We're a public affairs and a public relations firm in Lansing, Michigan. And this is our year-end wrap-up episode, talking about the pol- year in politics. Um, in the room with me, we've got... The room's it's a smaller a smaller number here in the room, Anna. We're going right to you. No Nikki buffer here. Anna Heaton. Nick DeLue. Joe Bashi. Uh the true believers. That's right. Real Nikki pros. and Carly will be joining us later in the episode because as anyone who listened to our last episode knows, we left you with a cliffhanger. We are wondering, are Anna and Nikki going to Vegas to see Adele? You will find out. Keep listening and you will find out. You're not going to want to miss it. No. Anyway, <laughs> this is the Rest Strategies team. We are at reststrategies.com. All of our episodes are there. We're on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook at Rest Strategies. All of these episodes are, are also on all of the fun uh, podcast apps. You can check us out there, rate us, uh, review us, leave us comments. Those are always those are always fun. And then uh, the podcast also has a Twitter account at Cold Oatmeal Pod on Twitter. So there we go. I wanted to before we get into our guests, our, our three reporter friends, um, Joe. We got a new podcast we're doing. Yep, we do. And it's our friends at uh, the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. It is called "What's Up with the Pineapple," right? Yeah. So it's actually a pretty good listen. I uh, I think there's potential for it to be a show that you might want to listen to yeah, if you're no. not in the business. So Justin Winslow, CEO of Michigan Restaurant Lodging. Emily Daunt, their communications uh, director over there, uh, came to us. Actually, during pandemic time, we started talking about how they wanted to get news out to their members. 
um, about what was happening in the Capitol. They wanted to highlight some of their members, some of the cooler restaurant owners. And actually, we've had a ton of Michigan Restaurant Lodging Association members on the podcast. Victor, uh, Joe Short. We've had others, haven't we? We've had other restaurant so people. Yeah. We've <clears throat> had the, the good oh, folks the from Envy. Oh, the Envy folks. Yeah. How can I forget them? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they're... They, they were in, in the room a couple weeks ago, put together their first episode of What's Up with the Pineapple. Um, because so, their logo is a pineapple. Well, that's the international, uh, if you listen, I, I don't want to... I, I haven't listened step yet. On their, okay. Step on their thing, but if you... Listen for the answer. Okay. Yeah. I think that isn't the pineapple is the international sign of hospitality. Maybe. Is it really? I believe so. I like pineapple. Well, listen, you, know, okay. you will confirm yeah. for you if I am right, but you can check out What's Up with the Pineapple at all of your uh, podcast stuff. So nice work, Joe. Thanks. Fruit for the ears. So we are going to talk about uh, 2021. Awesome year. Year's been the best year ever, oh right? Oh, my goodness. Best year ever. Uh, we've got we'll three reporters. For, Anna's just shaking her head. Anna, this is, I know you've been here a few months, but the shaking of the head in front of the <laughs> microphone does not does not translate for our listeners. I just remember when we thought 2020 was like so horrible. Oh, this is going to be the worst year ever, but next year will be great. This year was 10 times worse. You think so? Yeah. Just awful. Because of the anticipation of it being good and then it not being so? Yeah. Yeah. And realizing how selfish people are, I think. It's been a dark... People stink. Dark, dark time for me. Four weeks left in the football season. Time to redeem it all. <laughs> time to redeem it all. Go Broncos. Broncos go all the way. There, I, you laugh. How long has it been? I mean, the last time they were this relevant this late in the season was pre-podcast. I don't take anything you say about the Broncos seriously. <laughs> How long? And has you it should been? stop you... talking about the Broncos because all year long you crap all over your team, and then all of a sudden they're a year, what a game over five hundred, and, yeah. and like all of a sudden things are. Don't pretend they're, like you've been with them. They, you were I've selling, been with you were them. like selling the whole team. You're like. And down with the Broncos. No, I've never said down with the Broncos, but I yes, I do. I, I have a big flag that I fly outside of my house, and I put it up at as um, as they start training camp, and and then I take it down when the season's over. <clears throat> and this year, I took it down in week four <laughs> when they were three and one, because it was very obvious when they were three and one that okay, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. But it's December, and they are not mathematically eliminated. Yeah. And that hasn't been true since 2015. The bandwagon's in town, Nick. Yes. Jump aboard. <clears throat> I, I drive that bandwagon. There you go. <laughs> anyway, enough, enough of Broncos. Um, we're going to talk uh, politics and, and political news and Michigan news uh, today with three reporters who cover the... Well, two of them cover the Capitol on a day-to-day basis. We've got uh, Sam Schreiber of MERS News Service, a uh, younger reporter here in town in the Capitol, uh, Capitol Press Corps, Lauren Gibbons of, of MLive. She covers the state legislature, and she's also... Like our good friend Ben from Gong, we've been uh, been sentenced to um, covering the redistricting <laughs> process in the state. And then to, to mix things up, we wanted to talk to someone who actually deals with with real people, not people who live in Lansing and who work around the Capitol and, and and are kind of insulated from from what happens in the real world. But Elizabeth Walden, she is the news editor of the Greenville Daily News. She broke a huge story a couple weeks ago when the governor was in town, and she's going to be with us to talk about the year. It's going to be good. Oh, and then Adele, don't ever. Keep listening. Just if you hate politics, you can just zip through, and because you got to figure. It. Anna, you gonna go to see it? Are you gonna go go to Adele? Do we know? We're waiting on Robert O'Meara's second mortgage to be. Oh, Robert! It's always it always <laughs> comes, it always then, comes down to Robert. Yeah. So yeah. if we can get that loan approved, we'll be going. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, we got Sam, Lauren, and Elizabeth. Okay, Lauren, Sam, and Elizabeth. Thanks so much for being with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. So it's not. I guess it's technically. 
Um, our pre-Christmas episode, we've already done our Christmas episode, and as I'm sure everyone listened to the conversation we had with the, the point setting. Wasn't it fascinating, of, ladies? Wasn't it? <laughs> of, of West Michigan. Uh, but this is coming out a couple days before Christmas, and as we've done in years past, uh, sometimes we like to bring in some of our uh, reporters, political reporters from across the state and in the capital to talk about what the year's been like and what next year might be like. So let me kick it off here quickly first. Michigan headline of the year. What would you say the Michigan headline of the year? We'll start with the news with the editor whose job <laughs> it is to write the headlines. Editor, Don't put me right on right, the spot. You're, you're right wow. there. Go right. Yeah. Like Elizabeth, what's state the state headline, yeah. local headline? Well, I'm going to ask you two. I'm going to ask you first for your Michigan headline, the state headline of the state of Michigan, and then I would like to know your political headline for Michigan for the year. And you don't have to do both. Just do one. We'll go around and we can come back. So state headline, I would say, is something like state of Michigan wildly changes approach to the pandemic. That's not a very catchy headline, though. It's so like, I would probably rework it a little true, bit. But true. But yeah. true. Do you have a theory on this? Do you, I mean, you have a theory on what's going on with this? I mean, you, the governor was in Greenville a week or two ago and made some, Howard actually, City, yeah. made some news made that, that, that you reported in her break with uh, President Biden on the vaccine uh, mandate uh, question. So, and I open this to all three of you, your thoughts on the governor's kind of change of approach on this. Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing is she's, she's running for re-election is the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, but also maybe she just sees we can't continue like she has been indefinitely. Yeah, um, I think the fact that the pandemic is still raging, unfortunately, in Michigan, our numbers are you know looking worse uh, than they have been in in several months unfortunately and um so i think the governor's approach has changed quite a bit in part because i think she recognizes the reality that people are people have spent so much time dealing with the pandemic and the ramifications of that that um to implement you know stricter measures again it would be unlikely for people to even follow them or at least a large subset of people to follow them and so we've seen that approach uh kind of shift from you know stay home mask up to uh get the vaccine get the vaccine get the vaccine and um there's there's always going to be a small subset of people who that uh, that message is not reaching them so I think the big story of 2022 is going to be if these numbers don't improve, if we're not seeing um, any market improvements there, you know, what's the next step? Well, I mean, back onto the topic of vaccines, like we originally weren't even supposed to do a full reopening until we hit 70%. And obviously that 70% for the 16 and up eligible age at the time, you know, it was already kind of being foreshadowed that, you know, there were some instances where we might not reach this until summer 2022, um, summer and then fall November 2020, 2021. What year is it even? Do you guys know? <laughs> Um, I honestly still feel like we're living in 2019. You know, I like fell asleep on New Year's Eve and I just woke up and they threw me somewhere random in the universe. <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, like I think there's a lot of um, a lot of frustration right now because there is a group of people that are like, I did everything. March 2020 happened. I stayed home. I didn't visit my loved ones during summer 2020. I didn't go out. I didn't use utilize any of the loopholes. 
and I wore a mask everywhere. I did everything that I had to do. And then the vaccine becomes available. They're like, okay, like I'm vaccinated. I'm going to get the booster. And kind of what Lauren was saying is that there still is a population of people that aggressively do not want to get vaccinated. And they're kind of turning that into a bit of a battle cry. Like, how dare you ask me to get vaccinated? And and that's a whole other debate that we could dive into. Um, but I think overall, it's just kind of... With how intense COVID fatigue was, and I feel like we really experienced that when we had our spring 2021 surge, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone was like, okay, like, I just need to go to Florida, please. (laughs) Including the governor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's a big headline. Yeah. Florida, Alabama. (laughs) Washington, D.C. I'm I'm curious to know what, what day was it that someone in the governor's office said, this is, we have to change. Like what was there? Was there a day? Was there a moment? Was there a piece of data? Was there a poll? Was there something that happened that changed that shift? And I don't know that anyone will ever will ever know. But it's fast. And I think you're right, Sam. It was right around that time that we were coming out of that spring surge. And the CDC surprised everyone by saying, oh, you know what? No more masks. You're good. And everything's open. And I think that that took took a lot of the authority that she had away when, when they did that. So. It felt like a big shift around the budget conversation. Uh, I recall when um, when Speaker Wentworth and Senate Majority Leader Shirky and the governor kind of announced, "Well, we're letting the governor back into these negotiations," and you know there was I there were some concessions. I think um, it was uh, removing the the threat of making COVID rules permanent um, for employers. And then there was one other thing too, but it felt like that conversation and that, um, you know, those budget negotiations that for me, at least that sort of seemed to be the shift when we kind of moved away from the, um, you know, the restrictions towards the, let's try to, you know, let's try to do this the vaccine way and let's try to do this a different way. Um, and and I think, you know, it kind of remains to be seen mm-hmm. what what's going to be successful, like among voters. But, yeah, there is just, as, as Sam said, you know, kind of just a hesitation to or, or a reluctance to go back into, you know, hibernation mode. Yeah. So, Lauren, let's keep it with you. Okay. Uh, you're not going to get out of the, the, the <laughs> all right. The, your Michigan headline of the year. Oh, geez. Um, I, it, it's so hard because there's so many different... I, I think the pandemic is still the biggest headline. It's been the biggest headline since March 2020. But there's been so many other things that have just rocked Michigan to its core, right? I mean, we just had a, we just had a school shooting here. Um, that's a huge headline um, ending 2021. And I, I just think uh, it's hard for me sometimes to even compartmentalize how many different headlines, how many different topics we've all had to cover. And I mean, you all know, and everyone listening probably has been like redistricting lady over here. So, <laughs> so certainly uh, that's been oh, something we'll, we'll that get I've to been, that. We'll get to that. I was don't, like, well, don't. that's that's something I've been focusing on too. Like a you know, just Michigan radically reshapes uh, how it draws its political lines. But yeah, so I I just think it, my mind keeps going in like several different directions when I think about that. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely with you and um, yesterday in Detroit for the redistricting meeting. And I'm not Merce's consistent redistricting reporter. Um, but talk about a rabbit hole with that topic. <laughs> there, put some other words before the word so, hole there, too. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a rabbit hole um, or, you know, a black hole, if you wish, a supernova of sorts. 
Um, I would say, and also, you know, this summer we had the historic flooding in Metro Detroit. Um, and did anyone see like on I-94 and people were riding like jet skis on the flooded highway? <laughs> that fun. I, I, I know that that's frowned upon and I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not PC. Don't, please don't quote me in any of your stories. No. But I, when I saw people doing that, my first thought was that looks fun. Jet skiing and sewage. That's that looks like fun. I, did, I didn't see sewage when I saw it. <laughs> the pictures I, of people swimming were horrifying, though. I mean, yeah. the jet ski is a little different because at least you're not in it. Yeah, or like kayaking. Like, I feel like I would definitely, I mean, well, off the record, but I would kayak. Didn't you ever sit in school, like on a boring day? And just daydream about like roller skating through the school. Like, what if the school wasn't full of classes right now? We could just like skateboard or roll. Am I the only weirdo that did this? I'm so when I see the people, the, a highway flooded, I'm like, oh, you could repurpose that highway right now to jet ski. That would be fun. Not to hijack this podcast, but when I was in fourth grade, the roller dome in Fort Wayne, Indiana delivered to my elementary school like three gigantic cases of roller skates. And for three months, gym class was roller roller derby oh in the gym. Like we had this big, huge gym with a wooden floor. It was just like the roller dome, and they had these big cases of roller skate. That's how I, where I learned to roller skate. Wow, that's a life changing. This was, it was awesome. literally my daydream every day awesome. in elementary school. It was, awesome. was roller skating in school. <laughs> they they, had, they built a whole schoolwork of of people who wanted to go to the roller dome after they took the skates yes. away. I, I think Carly did that like all the time because her mom was a teacher and she'd oh, just go to the school and like roller, roller skate, skate through the school. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, so Sam MERS is known for its headlines. They, you always are coming. I, I wonder who is it. Kyle, does everyone contribute to the, the kitschy headlines on every single story? So, I mean, I'm going to be totally transparent with you all. I am not the one producing the catchy headlines. Like usually when you see that like boring story and you're like, okay, I'm going to read that later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a headline by me folks. Um, but no, honestly, Kyle is so hilarious. And I mean, obviously, Lauren is also a MERS alumni, so she knows this as well. But really just such a like fantastic, funny um, mentor. Um, I think the best feature in MERS, though, is definitely the quote of the day. And I think the most unfortunate thing is that there are a lot of things, and especially, you know, I'm the Senate reporter, so I sit in the chamber on session days, is that there is a lot of quotes that can't be used for quote on the day. (laughs) Um, I was eavesdropping on this one conversation, and there were members of the Republican caucus. And do you remember when, like, Ted Cruz made that tweet about Big Bird uh, because they had a COVID vaccine episode on Sesame Street? Well... This staffer like goes up to one of the senators and he's like, oh, like, do you see this? Like uh, Ted Cruz and uh, Big Bird are in a Twitter argument. And the senator just goes, it must be pretty hard tweeting with those Big Bird hands. (laughs) (laughs) These are our public servants, everyone. (laughs) Rest rest well. Rest well. (laughs) So political headline of the year, Elizabeth, we'll come back to you. Political headline of the year. Besides the pandemic, so, yeah. Aside from aside from the pandemic, like it, looking at the state capital or state government or or any of that. Yeah, see this. I'm I'm like having all these local headlines of the year come to my mind. Like well, this that's why my, you know, my and that's a good reason. That's a reason why you're here the, because <laughs> we wanted the local perspective. Throw yeah. a local headline at us. What's I mean? Well, like in Montcalm County, like the huge, huge news story of the year is the wind turbines coming to the county. Like, oh boy, that has just consumed. <laughs> yeah, we we know something about wind turbines we've, here. We've worked on those before. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like I've I've tried to use like a lot of of plays on on um, wind headlines over the year. Like the answer, my friend is is blowing in the wind, and like um, <laughs> you know, lots of hot air at township board meeting. And mm. I think I've pretty well exhausted those for the year. But yeah, w- wind energy is the dominant story of the year in Montcalm County, and it's it's not really going away anytime soon. It's going well into twenty twenty two. New company brings breath of fresh air to local politics. That's, right. That's a good one. I haven't used that one yet. Right. You can have that for free. You heard it here first. <laughs> Public commenters blow hard. Yes. <laughs> um, Lauren, you got a political headline? Um, I think it, I think I would probably point back to the billions of dollars that the state has at its disposal, um, how it's being used, how it hasn't been used in certain areas. You know, we had... We saw a little bit of activity uh, in these last weeks here with the economic development package that went through. Um, and, you know, there were some uh, some additional funding put towards uh, COVID-19 testing in schools, for example. But there's still a lot of money on the table that needs to, uh, to get spent at some point. And so I, I think, you know, the headline that I'm looking into is, you know, how, how does that get spent? How does this... Uh, how does this move forward into the future um, and, and, you know, where this money goes uh, in infrastructure or child care or, you know, uh, workforce development? Uh, these are these are like game changing dollars that we're looking at. And, you know, how how lawmakers and the governor's office decide to do that in an election year is going to be fun. It's interesting to why you know, for someone who's been around and we've, some of us have been around the Capitol for a while. To see how many years there were lengthy fights over how they how not to spend, how like we don't have anything to spend, and the the bitter fights over over those decisions. And you would think, I'm sure there's some strategy behind what they're what they're doing here, but you would think that with all this to spend, that they would be they would be happy, they would be <laughs> running to do these these things. But it's taking them taking the time. Lame duck 2022. Yeah, no, in October, it was more than $5 billion from the COVID-19 federal dollars, more than $5 billion from unappropriated surplus and our general fund. And now we have the infrastructure, do- and infrastructure dollars that are coming in that, you know, we don't really know what's all going to happen. I think there's still a lot to be discovered with that massive federal infrastructure package that was passed that was... Um, someone please correct me because I haven't it, it was more wasn't it two trillion correct or was it 1.2 trillion it was a lot of money you're, you're looking <laughs> at the wrong two high. people a lot, of, a lot of a lot of money sounds accurate <laughs> yes, yes. it was in the trillions um but I think that would be like that would definitely be my headline I would definitely opt for infrastructure and I think you can look at that in a COVID-19 light too you know we it's like the pandemic happened and then there was all these disasters that followed and people trying to figure out, well, what do we do? We're still in a pandemic right now. Uh, we had the dam failures in the Midland area in summer 2020. This summer, like I said, we had the historic Metro Detroit um, flooding. Uh, and then also infrastructure. It's such a wide umbrella word. And we're even going to talk about, you know, broadband, the COVID-19 showed kids and college students that were like, okay, we have to learn virtually now. But how am I supposed to learn virtually if I don't have access to a consistent internet connection? And you had students, you know, trying to do their classes in a parking lot of a McDonald's somewhere over on the west side of the state. Um, So I think overall, I'm going to opt for infrastructure as my golden word for uh, 2021. Okay. 
I have often actually done work at McDonald's on Wi-Fi. Well, you, so that's where you spend most of your time. <laughs> I think no. we all have As been of, there. <laughs> I can tell you that at last Friday, I sat in a McDonald's parking lot to be on a radio interview <laughs> and that was you know i mean thankfully it was radio because the background <laughs> of the mcdonald's parking lot because there's no in-person seating anymore it was this random one like i was on the way to an event in uh gladwin county and i was just like well i gotta stop and do this radio interview <laughs> mcdonald's parking lot has wi-fi <laughs> thank you mcdonald's yes oh, yes nice. a reporter's a reporter's secret is the mcdonald's parking lot for sure so Elizabeth, one th- reason I wanted to have you on to talk with us is that there is certainly a Lansing bubble, and we are all we the, the five of us here live in that bubble, and re- some of report in that bubble, and there's a, this, a Twitter bubble where there's a really small number of people talking about these things. What are people talking about? And like, how do people in Montcalm County look at what they read about? in Lansing, what's happening at the Capitol, what they think about state politics. Do they care? Are they watching? Are they going about their daily life and it's just out there? I'm, what's what's the local take on that? I think they, they definitely care and are watching, but they are also going about their daily life. Um, yeah, they're, they're watching with, I guess, like I am, like a, a curiosity about where things are going with, with the pandemic and the spending and, you know, how it's going to look for schools going into 2022 with, you know, is it going to go to virtual again? Is it going to stay? And I th- I think you're right. There definitely is a Lansing bubble. I feel like even when, when I come here, it's very different than just Montcalm County. Like through the, the pandemic, like when it started in March of 2020, um, I worked in person right through the whole thing. Like our Montcalm County Board of Commissioners, they never switched over to virtual meetings. They just kept meeting in person. I kept showing up. Um, All our townships were the same way. Our townships didn't switch over to Zoom until like last winter when we had like that that second wave, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But even today, it's pretty rare to see people wearing a mask in, in the Montcalm, Ionia area. It's not unheard of, but it's a small percentage, like in the grocery stores. They're not wearing them in our courts, you know, not even the judges or the attorneys. It's everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Um, But at the same time, a lot of people have been vaccinated, not anywhere near what the state is hoping for. I think it's we're under 50 percent still. But, um, yeah, there's a sense of, you know, we have I think the people have a sense of we have common sense. We are going to be careful with the coronavirus, but we're maybe also going to treat it like another any other typical sickness and we're still going to go about our daily life and they're they're not living in fear of it i guess not that i'm saying other people are but it's mm-hmm. there's not as much of a sense of caution i guess about it on on just general political questions i mean i think it's always you know good politicians always get a have a finger on the pulse of what i think real people are thinking about and those who get caught up in what staffers are tweeting or what people in, are in lansing are talking about are those that quickly get detached and i think i think maybe one of the lessons of virginia's governor's race was was that that terry mcauliffe was caught up in what the 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 twitter sphere was was obsessed with and the political consultants and yunkin tapped into something that real people were were concerned about and i'm i'm curious what do you find that that people look at lansing and kind of go what are they doing what or is there not that much interest where they would say that 
No, I I do think people look at Lansing, um, people outside of Lansing probably look at it as a bit of a curiosity. Like, we know this is uh, important what they're doing in Lansing because it affects all of us as a state, but also there's some confusion. And like you said, Twitter, like I'm on Twitter. I love to be on Twitter. It's very entertaining. You can really find a lot of... Um, it's a hellscape. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a lot of positives and negatives. I've like found a lot of good journalists, you know, like you ladies to follow. And that's that's really a, a good insight. But there is also a lot of like very internal drama where nobody outside of Twitter cares or is right. even like aware that this is happening. And so, yeah, the average citizen in, in West Michigan... They're not aware of these little dramas that blow up on Twitter. They're more looking at like the big headlines. Like, I know there's drama with redistricting. Um, that sounds important. I, I probably need to read that story to find out why it affects me. Or I am curious how they're going to spend all this money. I'm curious if mask mandates are are going to come back, or if that's just a thing of the past now. As a local newspaper editor, I'm curious. What do you? What does what does the state have to do? What does Lansing have to do to make it on the front page of your paper? Because like you're covering local news and what people are, are carrying, right? Like what has yeah. to happen for that to be? Oh, this is something we need to put on the well, front page. Well, Governor Whitmer coming to Howard City definitely <laughs> makes it <the> front page. <laughs> that made a bunch of front pages. Other, all yes. over the place. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't realize how much that would blow up, but it may have made it on uh, President Biden's front page of his uh, press briefing clip as well. Yeah, that would have been fun to be a fly on the wall when, when he heard those comments. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, but you are right. We are almost always, um, I think the phrase hyper-local has been kind of Mm -hmm. overused, but we are just very local. We try to cover all the local news in Montcalm, Ionia counties. So if there is a state story on the front page, it's either something we localized or it's, you know, one of our local reps like um, Senator Rick Outman or his son Pat Outman or Tom Albert. Like if they have something local to say, that will often make the front page. But it has always has like a very local angle. Okay. Well, one thing I think that will obviously affect local communities all over the place is the redistricting thing. And we do, we are, Lauren is our, our redistricting guru here on, on the panel. We did have your, your buddy in crime, Ben Solis, your, oh, yes. Lansing's other um, redistricting guru uh, on a couple of weeks ago. But how do you see this whole thing playing out? We're a few days, we're a few days out from this, mysterious deadline where it's all supposed to be finished everyone expects lawsuits and chaos what what do you see happening well you know i think what i've learned over the last several months covering this process is that i shouldn't make predictions because (laughs) every time i've been like oh yeah i think that this is how it's gonna go it's gone it's gone sideways um but i i think that i can say with some conviction um we will likely excuse me we will likely see activity before the end of the year. Um, we will likely see some maps before the end of the year. They'll they'll do these marathon um, meetings, uh, probably the 28th and potentially the 29th and the 30th. And um, I would be a little surprised if they did not choose one of the three collaborative maps apiece for the House, Senate, and Congressional, because at this point... Um, if they were to make significant changes to any of these maps, it would kickstart another 45 days of public comment under the way the Constitution was written. So it would be very surprising at this point to me if they went that direction, because that would potentially put a lot of election races for 2022 into some serious flux because these districts regardless of what maps they pick are not very similar to what we currently have a lot of uh, a lot of different lines being drawn um a lot of 
incumbents are kind of looking at their political future because some of them have incumbents in the same districts and those kinds of things. So it's it's going to be a little chaotic, a little messy. Um, but I, if I had to, you know, put money on it, would probably say before the end of the year we'll have some something to look at. What's that? Okay, so this is what I've heard, and I wasn't there at the meeting when they discussed this because, like I said, I kind of come and go when it comes to me as a redistricting reporter, which I'm not. It's not part of my 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 identity. <laughs> um, um, but what was the one thing where they might have a like documentary made on them? I don't really know that much about that. That sounds like a you. fascinating movie. I, I mean, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very amazing. interested to see it. If that's something <laughs> that they've been working on, I heard that. I heard that as well, but I don't know very much about it. Well, yeah. I think that you and Ben should be key key figures in that. What, what, whatever they document, so I would be surprised yeah. if, I, <laughs> if I don't see you in the re uh, the redistricting documentary. I'm going to make a very heated Facebook post against yes. the producers. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. I, I have a question on that too. Um, just following along the the lawsuit because the the Michigan Press Association was one of the the ones that sued to get those documents released, and um, my publisher Julie Stafford is president of the MPA right now. Okay. But do you have any sense when the court might issue a ruling on that? Uh, so they did an expedited oral argument, which I think you know says a lot. Um, the initial lawsuit had uh, some arguments in there that. Uh, they'd like to see something before December 28th. Uh, so I'm not sure if the court's going to do that, but we'll see. I mean, because th that argument was made that like these memos and, and you know, for those who maybe are not following it along as closely, there's an, a lawsuit ongoing uh, that is trying to force the release of memos the commission discussed in closed session regarding the Voting Rights Act and voting-related discrimination. And uh, I think that... Uh, at the you know the media organizations that sued probably would like to see those documents sooner rather than later. So I so think, with the rest of us. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yes, I think there's there's definitely a transparency argument that a lot of people have made across the political spectrum. So I wouldn't be surprised if the court was was pretty quick on this, but I guess cool. we'll see. Right. So we should probably know we are sitting here um, in a in a very warm room on the morning of December seventeenth. So for for those, so depending on when things may come out, what this is this is when we're having this conversation about this. So in case um, it comes out and we're like, what's she talking about? Everyone knows what happened. Yeah, this could be old news very quickly. <laughs> a reporter she this happened three days ago. Um, sure. Is it worrying that they're gonna attempt to finalize this when so few people are paying attention? This little period between Christmas and. New Year's. Yeah, well, I'm a little worried because I have most of that week off. So, <laughs> so hopefully they, you know, if if they're listening to me, it's like please finish on the 28th because that's the day that I'm working. But, um, yeah, I I think that they have done so much work in such a consolidated time frame that you know, for the average layperson, it is a little complicated to watch, you know, hours of YouTube meetings or go in person to the meetings or public comment, you know, in the middle of the day. So it's, I, I don't know that there would have been a good way to fix that um, with this truncated time frame. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a little difficult for members of the public who are on Christmas vacation or, you know, doing some kind of holiday activities still that's, that is a legitimate concern. 
Ben Solis will be there no matter what, right? So no one else has to be. Ben is a little worried if they start to talk about the 27th oh. because he's like, I had the 27th on. Do the Browns play on the 27th? Yes, all of the, uh, the, the core redistricting reporters are hoping for an expedited time frame but we're not in, we're not necessarily anticipating that um it, it could it could take a minute so can i ask a, a sort of a personal question that ties into these big stories you've all broken big stories at, at one point or another and some of them i and i'm just thinking elizabeth of, of the you know the story from the governor's visit to, to howard city Sort of unexpected. Oh, the governor's going to break with the president today. <laughs> um, when you hear something like that, when you hear something that takes you by surprise or something that you didn't anticipate, how does that register just as a human, as a, you know, you're a professional, but also as a human, did I, I mean, do you think, did I hear that right? Did I get that right? Do I need to follow up on that? Like, what, how, did, how do you process that? Just, I, I ask as someone who can often be riddled with anxiety, I would go, He's pretty, I, he's pretty. He's wound pretty tight. I am. I'm wound tight. I can't get this wrong. Like I've got to double check. I've got to double check my sources on this. But I just got a bombshell. How do I? You know, what what goes through your mind and your your emotions when you it, hear that? Her comments did take me by surprise. Um, and the funny thing was, the governor's office had called our office at like five o'clock on a Friday, and said, "Hey, the governor's going to be in Howard City on Monday. Is that something you would care to cover?" And we were like, yeah, for sure. And they were like, okay, keep it on the down low, you know. So we were just like, okay. So I like came up with some questions and I'm like, well, ask her about the redistricting process because I was curious about that. So I thought that was going to be my, my big story from the day. I was like, I'm going to get a quote about redistricting and maybe it'll get picked up, you know. But before I even asked her that question, she was doing like a roundtable with local business owners. And it was um, the co-owner of a, a healthcare facility in Howard City. He was saying, we're worried that President Biden's mandate will cause our employees to leave. And he just kind of sounded off about it. He didn't even ask the governor's opinion. And I figured she'd come back with some generic response. And instead, she's like, I'm really concerned about it, too. And I did have to it, it registered, but I was taking audio and I was like, I have to go back and like triple check it. I, I, you know, played it over and over. And she was very clear. She said the state of Michigan is an employer, too. And we are going to probably see people walking away, too. And it is a concern. And it was and I don't know that she planned to say that. That's the question. It's like, did she come to this small community as part of her reelection efforts? And did she want to kind of get some of that out there? Or was it just a comment from a local business owner that she responded to and she didn't expect it to blow up. That's that's the question, but it definitely did blow up. And and I thought it was very telling because she was on the shortlist to be Biden's vice president. She has seemed like a supporter of Biden, you know. She's never said anything against him publicly at least. So yeah, that caught everybody by surprise. And for the record, Lansing people, Elizabeth is definitely a worthy Twitter follow because she's <laughs> she's tweeting stuff like this. You know, that was obviously a very big one. The both very big stories, in my opinion. But yes, uh, I was, it, and she's always always got a lot of great intel. <laughs> Thanks. Well, right, right back at you, ladies. Well, Lauren, you you've had a scoop or two. I I mean, I, what? How do you like? What's the emo the human emotion when you land on something that nobody has yet? It's big. It's maybe it's contradictory. Adrenaline. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and do you recognize immediately? Oh wait, that's that's big. Or does it does it take some time to sink in, or or does it 
I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, if it's something that, you know, it's kind of an offhanded comment, uh, that's something that I would go back and I, I'll think, wow, okay, that was something that was just said. And then I'll listen to it a couple of times and yeah, try to process. But yes, I think I, I probably have a little bit of the anxiety um, as well. But, you know, once you, once you have something good, uh, then I just try to you know, corroborate it, uh, that, that alleviates my anxiety somewhat. If I, you know, start talking to some other people and kind of put the, you know, put the picture together, I think. Um, so sometimes you just get that, you just get that great, like one-off scoop. That's just, okay, put it out there into the world. And then sometimes you start hearing about something and I'm just like, I can't believe that's true. And then you start talking to other people and it's very much true and not only is it true it's definitely something that i need to take some time out of my day to write about so uh then i just kind of build and build from there and alleviate that you know panic of pressing go on something first by saying you know i talked to literally everyone i could talk to about this well do you go home like sam do you go home at the end of a day like that and just do you celebrate i mean do do you do you have yes i mean at some point, yeah. the you know the for me the anxiety would be overcome by the excitement of I mean I just landed something that was really cool and what a what a fun day I had. I remember there have been like a few times where because um like I had mentioned to you all personally is that I um so I'm kind of going through a life transition right now um graduated college a year ago um I'm living literally kind of between my parents' house and my grandparents' house. Uh, so there have been times where I've like broken a story and I'll be like, dad, do you want to like take me out to Dairy Queen? I like just made myself laugh so hard by that. I'm like, ha, my family. Um, but no, so like there have been times where like I've just like produced some content that I feel like so blissful and giddy about. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I need like some ice cream and like <laughs> treat yourself. Um, but my editor had actually told me this, like Kyle, he told me this last week and he's like, I think you do your best writing when you're kind of like held by the gun, you know, where, you know, there's something that I need to put out there very fast, a breaking news alert, you know, can't waste a second. And I feel especially if I'm, you know, doing something like where I'm on the ground at an event or in the Senate cham chamber, I kind of feel like my eyes like roll back and I'm just in this typing mode. And after it's out there, I kind of just feel a bit zoned out because it's just, you know, it's out there. It happened like and now I have to read that and like try to process it like, wait, did this really, really happen? Uh, so it's definitely something like very interesting mentally. Yeah. So I want to get, get out with two two quick questions. We'll go around and get your thoughts on, on these. A lightning round? Lightning and, round. Be quite, right. quite lightning, no lightning in here. It'll be <laughs> warm. It's warm enough. Um, just political winner and loser of the year in Michigan. Who's the, your political winner? I don't see a ton of winners. I don't. I don't. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, will you, you want to go first? Um. Oh my gosh, I don't think I want to go first. Uh, is there any way I can skip and think about? Because I want mine to be really good. <laughs> Does anyone have a, a nominee Joe, Joe for give political us winner? You haven't said anything, so I'm just trying to fa <laughs> yeah, facilitate. No, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've got to think about that one. It does seem like you said like a lot of year of bad news, and like there's no <laughs> glory of, story that comes yeah. to mind. We can all think of plenty of losers. The, the winner's the tough one. Why don't we do this? How about we, we'll, just, we'll just do this. Okay, we'll go around. One last question here. Um, 
we're sitting here a year from now, December uh, 2022. We all we, you all wrote headlines for uh, 2021. What do you think the headline of 2022 will be? Elections. Um, I mean, I I mean, I think that's like I was actually talking about it with someone yesterday, where I was like. I'm really looking forward to summer 2022. I think it's going to be so interesting, so fast paced. And I think what I love most about an election year is that I just get to kind of hike around the state. And um, my first like big series that I ever wrote was the Purple Michigan series that was featured in the Lansing City Pulse, uh, where I basically went to these different districts that MERS and like kind of our editorial team and myself was like okay this is very interesting or this could be a potentially flippable district it's a very competitive race and I would spend like a couple weeks just well usually like two weeks I would say uh, just spending a ton of time in the district talking to people figuring out what their top issues are you know what is something that makes somebody wake up and say okay I'm going to the polls today um and I'm really interested to see what are going to be the top issues in 2022. And of course, we're going to be looking at everything through a COVID-19 lens. Mm-hmm. Lauren, I know you don't like to do predictions. My dream headline of 2022 is we're taking off pandemic status. Okay. That's, that is what, that is the headline that I would personally love to write. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I just think until until it gets to a manageable level, COVID-19 is just going to dominate everything that we do. There's always this, there's always this back burner. And we've already been through a significant election um, with COVID-19 on the back burner. And we're probably going to have another one uh, where this is the dominant issue for a lot of people. I mean, we are still, it's, it's honestly hard to think about other other things uh, without without this giant COVID nineteen shaped elephant in the room. Um, so so yeah, my dream headline would be COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen is no longer a pandemic status, but um, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. And the actual 2022 headline is just how are we continuing to live with it? Elizabeth, what about you? I'll back up. I, that's my dream headline too if we could just get yeah if covid could just go away because it does color everything but as far as like a local headline for montcalm county i'll say it'll be something like the first wind turbines go up protesters chain themselves to the bottom of turbines <laughs> and are dragged away kicking and screaming <laughs> they should chain themselves to the actual turbine flipping around in the sky oh, no. there we go oh, show you're really serious and, and you know, Lauren and, and Sam were talking redistricting, too. I'll, I'll be curious how that plays out at the county level as well, because Ionia County, I believe they left their districts at seven for seven county commissioners. But Montcalm County, um, they're going down from nine to seven commissioners. And they did wildly redraw the county. And we have uh, 20 townships in Montcalm County, which I think is I think most counties have 16. And so we have four more than average. It is a big county. And going down to seven, that will really have a big local impact. And I'm just curious to see how that will play out as well as at the state level too. Well, thank you all. Thank you for the three of you for joining us. It's always fun to, to do. Elizabeth Alden of the Greenville Daily News, Lauren Gibbons of MLive, and Sam Schreiber of MERS News Service. Thank you so much for being here. No one, no one go anywhere because we are about to find out, did Nikki and Anna get their Adele tickets? We'll be right back. <laughs> 
So that was a fun conversation. It was great to have um, some some new faces. I've, I've not met Lauren before or Sam or Elizabeth. Good to have them here too. Me either. They're was, great. I have not met them before. It was great. I blew. <laughs> 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 so that's good. Good conversation. See, Nikki's distracted because she wasn't here for that part of the conversation, and she's really only focused on one thing. What is and that one, one thing? thing only? I know everybody is just waiting to find out yeah, about so Adele. When we last left Nikki and Anna, we were waiting to see the super mega super fans of Adele, whether or not they were going to get tickets to see her in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So We left our listeners hanging. I got so many tweets about it. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wow. What happened? What happened? We managed to actually snag two tickets, not next to each other. What? <laughs> not even next to each other? No. There's so you were going into this with designs to get four, so you yes. could scalp yes. two and make a bazillion dollars, and now you have well, two so seats that aren't even with each for other? Our own so tickets. It would pay, yeah, it would, basically, we would get the tickets for free because the second set would sell so high. Yes. That was, that was our vision. But what happened is when I was finally admitted, because this was a whole huge process of steps that you had to go through online. I think Joe wants even us get to in. go through each step of the process. So first, Joe, because I know you're really <laughs> No. Anyway, once I finally got admitted, I saw that there were 2,000 plus people ahead of me. And then I Googled. I was like, crap. How many how many seats are actually in this venue? And then there are over 4,000. And I suck at math. So I was like, oh, we're good. That's only half the seats. <laughs> but then everybody can get up to four tickets. So I was we were I was texting Anna and we were like freaking out. And then when I finally, finally got admitted, there are only six seats left. Two of them were over two thousand dollars, which we were not doing that. And so then I snagged two that I could find and they were not together, but there's only two seats in between them. So we're just our hope is that we can go and then ask the people to to just move over. Yeah. Yeah. But it was close. I do want to share, just in case, I know there have been some outrageous ticket prices out there on the internets, and mm-hmm. I just want to say that we did have a pre-meeting. We did. A mm-hmm. financially responsibility meeting about, like, if these rumors are true, like, what's your ceiling for tickets? Yes. Um, I wasn't willing to, you know, spend money like the federal government. Like, there's no, you know, <laughs> just who cares? So You could probably get ARP funding for it. <clears throat> I kind of thought about that. Like, can we get a grant or... Um, but they were not that out- outrageously expensive no not where we are but we're um, and not for adele what and not no. for adele what do you mean they're not outrageous for adele it's oh okay i was like are you yeah. besmirching her no i'm no i'm saying any no price okay it's too high that's not true i mean it, some of them were <laughs> stupid i would not pay over so $2, let me $2, ask so you had gotten when you signed up for this as the mega fan you had picked four dates Right. Yeah. Well, but I picked only... eight because I put in two emails. Same. So we had sixteen. So were you buying tickets independently of each, of each other, or were no. Nikki? You were buying two tickets for each of you. I didn't yes. get into the presale. And I have five friends who all did this, and none of them. Is there got a chance in. you could still get into a presale? No. The tickets are gone. It's over. It's over. Why? So they, they didn't even have a regular sale. It was the only entire this. residency thing is booked. Yes. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Why were you? Two thousandth in line. Like, could you? What could you have done to have done better? Okay, so I've been beating myself up about this a little bit. And it's, it's Robert's fault, isn't it? <laughs> no, I asked him to say off the internet. <laughs> but 
you can get in 10 minutes prior to when everything started. And so I was uh, on the website 15 minutes before, but I didn't keep refreshing. Mm -hmm. And so I started refreshing 13 minutes before and there were already people that were in. So I like missed it by two minutes. I think that's why. I was driving and she's texting me like, what if there's only platinum tickets left? Because the platinum ones are the ones that are like 3,000. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Just make a decision. <laughs> so the pre-planning financial responsibility well, meeting went yeah. out the window immediately. Yeah. And then I was like, what if there's only two tickets, but they're in separate parts of the venue? I'm like, I don't and know. And she was like, make a call. I guess. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Either way, we're going. I was doing talk to text, obviously. <laughs> so anyway, we got them. We're going to Vegas. April when 1st. are you going? April first. April first. So it cut out a joke. We right. Know. And it's a right. Friday, so you don't have to work. So that's perfect. You'll be great. <laughs> the joke keeps getting funnier. <laughs> that's the last time I'll make that joke. So we are looking at booking the penthouse at the Bellagio. Obviously. Since you obviously. save money, since we you save so much since money. you didn't yeah. have to spend three thousand like dollars on you, each ticket. When you buy things it. on sale, you save money, right? Yeah. So. Does anyone think? And I don't want. Yeah. Don't take the. Don't. Does anyone think Nikki looks like Adele a little bit? <laughs> I think that Carly looks like Selena Gomez. And I told you, and you get it all the time, right? You told me that you get it all People the time. People have told me that. Yeah, I could see that. I was singing, looking at the profile of Nikki, and it's really the profile because I've because we have hits one on our stupid radio all the time, and so I see her profile when she's singing I'm her songs, it and it looks like when you are looking the way I'm looking at you right now. I think that could be it. Actually, thank you because she looks really pretty in that. I'm just. Saying, I will take it. I'll take it. So. How many Friday work jokes did I buy myself with that? Zero. <laughs> you are used up. Wait, okay, turn your head. Okay, I kind of see it. Yeah. Let Show me, what's the... Is it mostly the blonde hair? Probably. I just pulled up the new. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just You're went away, Carly. screen. Oh. Anyway, this is great podcasting. We're showing, <laughs> as we were holding a phone up against it. So. I know. Anyway, well, I'm, Cut very, this out. I'm very happy for the two of you. This will be fun. I can't wait for you to, to hear this story. I'm sure it'll be... Sure, everybody Let's really just take cares. the pod to Vegas. Are, you should. Are you do like devices permitted in the venue? Can you guys make a vlog? Yeah, I think so. Or at least a TikTok. Yeah. Make a TikTok. I, think, I, I don't know how to do that. At I the, do. At the beginning of this whole podcast thing, we bought like a little remote thing. We've got a little remote recorder someplace. You guys could take it along with you. If you really care, sure. I think that would be <laughs> hilarious. We can do that. Okay. But you won't be able to see our outfits. That's that's where the TikTok comes in. Yeah, that's where the TikTok comes okay. in. Okay, well... We can we we can stretch this material out for well th- apparently three four months we'll be good. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> so I want to thank uh, Samantha. I want to thank uh, Lauren and Elizabeth for being with us to talk about the year in the news and what's going to be coming up uh, in the coming year in politics. Good to see them. Good to meet them. Have them in in, in the studio. And thank you, Nikki and Anna Heaton, mm-hmm. <coughs> for filling us in on the latest on Adele. You're welcome. So for Nikki and Nikki and Joe, Carly, Hannah and Nick, this is Matt and this is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>